Again, thank you guys for coming, and I'm really excited because um, Chad, come on up, Chad. Chad has already inspired me in just the one meal that I've got to share with him, and we're so blessed to have him because he is an American hero, truly. And Not that Nick isn't. You are too, Nick. But uh, this is Chad Wright, ladies and gentlemen. Brothers, what's up? Hey, brothers. Um, yeah, my name's Chad Wright. Uh, the good Lord has blessed me with the opportunity to travel around this country and speak to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, I want you to know right now I'm, I, I'm, I'm just a witness, guys. I'm the exact same as each and every one of you guys out in the crowd today. I'm a witness. God's called us all to be witnesses, right? We've all got a powerful testimony. We've all got stories of those times that we were down in the valley like, like Nick was talking about, that furnace of adversity. So that's kind of what I'm here to share with you today. And people ask me all the time, they say, what's the hardest part about public speaking? And I think they might think it's like anxiety or nervousness about having to get up and deliver a message to a crowd of awesome men like you. And it's really not that for me. I mean, nobody's shooting at me, right? I'm good, man. I'm going to tell you, the hardest part about public speaking for me is having to iron my clothes in the morning. I, I've never, I haven't had to iron my clothes since uh, boot camp in the Navy. And um, people ask me why I grow this beard. And it's because most of the time when I iron these collared shirts, I melt the collar of the shirt with the iron. So the beard just hides uh, my melted collar on all of my shirts. So the beard serves two purposes. But yeah, guys, thank you so much for having me. Um, so first of all, I did 12 years as an active duty Navy SEAL. I was medically retired one year and one month ago. Uh, so that's why I, that's kind of a little bit about my background. Thank you guys. <clears throat> and uh, so kind of what I'm doing now is uh, is I'm an ultra runner. Um, so what is ultra running? I get that question all the time, guys, and I'm going to give you a verse of scripture that I believe sums up what ultra running is. So stand by for this, guys. All right, guys, this is First Corinthians chapter nine, verse 27. This is Paul speaking, and he says, but I keep under my body, and I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself will be cast away. So for me, that's what ultra running is. It's a way for me to bring my flesh into subjection. I want you to understand, our flesh is self-seeking. It's always seeking comfort. When you wake up in the morning, how many times has your flesh whispered to you, just get a little more sleep. You don't need to get up. At mealtime, how many times has it whispered to you, eat a little more food than is necessary to sustain me? It happens all the time, right? So that's what ultra running is for me. It's a way to bring my flesh into subjection. It's a way to train during times of peace in a controlled environment so that when life inflicts a situation upon me that's outside of my control, I have the tools that I need in order to push forward and accomplish my goal. So when I was a SEAL, we trained for over two years before we ever stepped foot in a combat zone. We trained during times of peace in a controlled environment. So when we went downrange, when we were in combat and it was out of our control, we had developed the tools that we needed to destroy our enemy. 
That's what ultra running is for me. Another thing, guys, ultra running gives me a chance to reflect on this man named Jesus Christ. And whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not, it is a fact that he came down onto this earth. He lived a perfect life. And that he went willingly to the cross, was tortured and crucified because he loved me and he loved you. And he did that willingly. You want to talk about the ultimate example of bringing your flesh into subjection? Look at, look at our Father in heaven. Look at Jesus Christ. Look at what he did. So when I'm out there and I'm 100 miles deep and I've been running for 30 plus hours... I think about my Father in heaven, Jesus, and I say, no matter how hard it is right here for me, it's nothing compared to what he did on the cross for all of us. And that get, that, that's what ultra running's all about, guys. And look, guys, you don't have to run 100 miles to bring your flesh into subjection. It's, whatever, it's wherever you need to start, right? It could be a business venture. It could be, putting, it could be getting outside of your comfort zone uh, when it comes to service here in your church. Um, it could be a, a relationship. It could be physical fitness. Whatever it may be, it's about putting yourself outside of your comfort zone, okay? That's so important um, to me personally and to my walk uh, with with Jesus is just bringing that flesh into subjection. All right, guys. So yeah, that's what ultra running is. Technically, it's anything over a marathon. Uh, my my favorite distance is a hundred miles. I really like it. Um, anyways, I'm just gonna share with you guys now a little bit how I came to know Jesus because I haven't always been a Christian. Um, actually, I've probably only been a Christian for about. Eight years now? No, probably less than that. Um, so this is how I came to know the Lord. I was actually, actually, I'll, I'll start in the beginning. Um, I decided I wanted to become a SEAL at a young age, 18 years old. I never played sports, had never stepped foot on a ball field, had never swam in a swimming pool until I decided I wanted to be a SEAL. So I, I decide I want to go be this Navy SEAL. I join the Navy. I go to boot camp, and I am the last day of boot camp, very last day. All my classmates are getting ready to move forward with their dreams and aspirations to become a SEAL, and my drill instructor pulls me to the side, and he says, Chad, you need to go to medical. They found something on your dive physical. I was like, Roger that. So I step out of formation while the rest of the class goes to graduation, go to the dive medical officer, and he says, uh, Chad, we found a pericardial cyst on your heart. It's a very rare condition. We're afraid when you dive underwater as a seal that it'll burst this cyst and, and kill you. But other than that, it's asymptomatic. So they wouldn't remove this cyst. They wouldn't touch it. He, he told me that, but he told me, he said, you cannot be a SEAL. You will never have the option of being a SEAL. So in that last moment, all my dreams and aspirations were stripped from me, completely out of my hands, right? So I go back to my hometown. I shop surgeons for about two months before I finally find someone that will take this cyst off my heart. Have the surgery. It's successful. And I show up 
back in the Navy less than a year after surgery, standing before the same dive medical officer that had disqualified me. And I'll never forget walking in that guy's office, and he looked at me and he said, what are you doing back here? And um, I had my paperwork from my, my surgery from the civilian surgeon. I set it down. I said, take a look at that. And he said, roger that. And I pushed forward and flawlessly completed SEAL training. Why do I tell you this story? Because a couple reasons. I don't think that I would have made it through SEAL training if I would have went the first time. Let me tell you a little something about SEAL training. First of all, we started with 300 guys. At the end of six months, we graduated with 18 guys. It's one of those things in life that lives up to and exceeds your expectations for it. There's very few things in life that do that. <laughs> they, they literally bring you to the verge of death multiple times. So I don't think I would have made it. The, the reason that I was able to move forward flawlessly and complete SEAL training as this young country boy that had never ran more than a mile and a half and never swam in a swimming pool is because God took me through what's called a furnace of adversity prior to even stepping on the start line. And guess what, guys? Gold is purified by fire. I walked through that furnace of adversity. There was a mountain placed before me. But guess what, fellas? No matter, no matter what is placed before you, there's always a way over, under, around, beside that mountain. I promise you, but it takes initiative. It takes you getting up, not dying in the chair, and finding a way to reach your goal. So, made it through SEAL training. Not a Christian, guys. I go downrange in 2012. And I'm staying in this building overseas. And there's four of us. It's a small team. And one of my, friend, one, one of my team members is a Christian. The other three of us are not. And so he has this Bible. And he starts reading this Bible in this place where we're staying. And when he starts doing that, Weird things start happening, like scary things. You remember what Nick said earlier, how fear, fear doesn't come from God, so anything that causes fear is not from God. So my buddy starts reading his Bible, and we basically come under attack from a, from a, from a, a demon or an evil spirit that is dwelling within this place overseas where we are living. And I can remember laying in my bed shortly after my friend started reading his Bible, and it was late at night, and something hits my door and jolts me awake. And then I hear voices up and down the hallway of this building. And I get up out of my bed, and I walk over, and I, I look at my buddies, and uh, they're passed out. And I'm like, well, that is weird, but it caused fear. And so this continues, bumps in the night, crazy things, and then, and then we start to come under this oppression, this, this spiritual oppression that's bearing down on us as a team of four seals to the point that we can't communicate with each other. We can't operate. We can't accomplish anything because there's strife and contention within our team all the time. We're not sleeping. We can't get rest. We're afraid. Um, all these things. And, and after about two weeks of this, you had, we had four grown men, Navy SEALs, sleeping in the same room together. We were so afraid. 
So we didn't know what to do. So I called my, bro- I called my brother. My brother's a Christian. He's back in Atlanta from overseas. And I say, hey, man, this is what we got going on. I don't know what to do, but I'm sick and tired of it. We can't operate. This is dangerous for us. We're overseas, you know. This is dangerous. And he says, well, let me put you in touch with my pastor. So his pastor calls me. His pastor says, hey, man, put me on speakerphone. I want to walk around this place that you're staying in, and I want to pray over this place. And, uh, of course, I thought, this cat's crazy, man. I let all my buddies leave. Like, I didn't want him to see me, like, walking around with my, this little Vodafone cell phone on speaker, letting him pray. But anyways, I do it, and we walk around, and he's praying, coming against the enemy, and uh, we go all around. He says, all right, man, now go get you a little bit of olive oil. And uh, I've had people say, well, I didn't have olive oil when I was on deployment. And I said, yeah, you weren't a Navy SEAL. We had some luxuries some people didn't have. I had me some olive oil there. And uh, he said, get some olive oil, and we're going to anoint the door. And uh, we did it. He prayed over it. I anointed the door. And total peace returned to that place immediately. Total peace, total unity returned to our team. We were able to operate, communicate, accomplish our missions as a team again. See, look, guys, this is a serious thing. Like, I realized in that moment, there is some power here. Um, so I started digging into this thing called the Bible right there overseas. I said, there's some power here. I, I need to know more about this. And, 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 and. I got saved in that place overseas in my, in my room by myself um, about a week after that happened. And you know the most beautiful thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ? How simple it is. That's the most beautiful thing about the gospel is the simplicity. Some guy like me that doesn't know a thing about this book right here is able to dig into it for a week and figure out how to get down on my knees and turn my life over to Christ. It's that easy. So look, fellas, I get saved. We finish out this deployment. It was a crazy deployment. Uh, Yeah, we we were out in um, northern Nigeria for a while uh, battling against a a group called Boko Haram. They persecute Christians on a terrible, terrible level. Uh, We got to do some good work there. Uh, We secured the embassy in Tunisia. It got attacked simultaneously with the embassy in Benghazi. So uh, we were able to drive the enemy back there, resecure the embassy. Um, We bounced all over. I ended up, uh, finished that deployment out as the personal bodyguard for Mr. Obama. Um, so that was pretty cool too. But I've got this strong faith, and, and throughout this deployment, God continues to set my faith in concrete. Uh, I remember I was water skiing on a spine board in a, in, in, a, in, a, in a river, and I was surrounded by dead bodies. Yeah, I know it sounds crazy, but that's, that's Navy SEAL stuff, I guess. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I fall off of this spine board because I'm not much of a water skier. And I get a gut full of this contaminated water. And uh, and they pull me up off the boat. And all of a sudden, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And he said, I want you to speak my word in front of these unbelievers. 
And my corpsman there, my doc, he was like, man, we got to get you to the hospital. We got to get you some antibiotics. Like, this is serious. This water is seriously contaminated. And, and, I, and I quoted Psalm 91. And, um, you know, it says... You know, we make, our, we make our place in the shadow of the Most High. And basically, no pestilence or plague will come near unto me. And I quoted that in front of those unbelievers and, and, and never had a single issue, never received any treatment, never got sick. Look, man, you can, you can write that off to coincidence if you want. I personally believe God honored his word in that moment. Things like, yeah, guys. Um, you know, things, just multiple, multiple things. And I've got this, this newfound faith that's set in concrete. I could tell stories all day about what God did for me on that deployment, but I'll spare you. We'll talk more at G4. Um, so I get back home and I, I've staved off this death. I've, I've, I've went through this, you know, this, this, this crazy deployment and I get back home and think, all right, man, I finally get to relax. I get to share my faith with my wife. Um, I get home, and she's dying. Literally, I walk through my doorstep, and she's dying from, an, a, from a disease called addiction. And, um, yeah, but I had this new tool. It's called prayer. So I would march circles around my house praying. I would pray over the place where my wife slept in bed at night. And I was, I was praying for deliverance. I was praying for her deliverance. I was not praying for her, uh, for her to be healed. I was praying for her deliverance. See, I was born into, into this relationship with Christ through spiritual warfare. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. He says we wrestle. You know what that implies? We wrestle. It doesn't say if you want to wrestle. It says we wrestle. So let me tell you right now, if I'm not wrestling with something, you know what that tells me about myself? I'm lukewarm. We wrestle, fellas. And so I'm praying for deliverance. And God, God delivers her from the spirit of addiction. She's been clean now for about seven years. Thank you, fellas. And she's born again. She's, she's accepted Jesus Christ into her life. And, uh, and so, so that's, that's, how I've, uh, that's how I've come to know the Lord, gentlemen. That is my testimony. And, um, of course, there's so many other things that I would love to share with you guys. We're going to have a lot of time out at G4 um, where we're going to get to really dig in to some tools that I have used when life gets really, really hard. Remember I talked about those tools that, that we develop out ultra running? We'll talk about those at G4. I want to leave you guys with one thing. There's this verse in the Bible. Uh, it's uh, it's Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. I want to leave you with this. Exodus chapter 2, verse 14. And it's God saying... I am that I am. And I read that verse a hundred times in my walk with Christ, and I always wondered, why is the I am 
in capital letters. It, it always stood out to me. It's in capital letters. A and he finally revealed that to me, the reason that is. It's because the words that come after I am are the most important words that you will ever speak in your entire life. The words that come after I am. How long has it been since you've said, I am sufficient, I am powerful, I am clean, I am confident? So I want to leave you guys with that. As you go out into this world, take control of your rudder and be conscious. Every time you hear those words, I am, be conscious of what you follow up with. Because I promise you that it'll be the most powerful statements that, that guide you throughout your life and the outcomes of your situations. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. I love you guys, and I thank you all, brothers, for allowing me to share with you today. All right, we thought it would be cool to spend some time uh, getting some more questions. Thank you for sharing with us. Uh, so last night you shared uh, about, and this morning you did too, there was, I think, 300 or so guys that started and 18 that ended up becoming SEALs, correct? What is... What is that 18, and like, what is it about these guys that was able to make it and not quit? Oh, it's so simple, brother. I mean, I'll ask you guys, what do you think is the number one reason people quit BUDS? Basic underwater demolition SEAL training. Why don't you say that again slowly so we could actually... <laughs> Basic underwater demolition SEAL training. What's the number one reason that you think people quit? Front row. Fear. Mindset, can't swim, don't have the tools. Yeah, all those things kind of play into it. But let me tell you, brother, the number one reason people quit SEAL training, the number one reason people quit a marriage, the number one reason people quit a business, the number one reason people quit their relationship with God, whatever it is, it's the same across the board. It's because they look at the big picture. They can't break things down into digestible segments and focus on accomplishing the task that's right in front of them, okay? That's the number one reason people quit SEAL training. And I'll tell you that story that I told you last night, Tim. During SEAL training, there's this evolution called Hell Week. We're awake for six nights and five days, and we get hammered the entire time. Zero sleep. Hammered. About halfway through that, there's an evolution. It's so simple. During this evolution, all we have to do is run one mile down the beach, turn around and run one mile back. We're on a sunny beach in California. It's at your own pace. I'm talking about you can, you just have to look like you're running. I'm talking about you can do this number. <laughs> and the instructors aren't going to say nothing to you. But, so it's, it's one mile repeat. But the instructors don't tell you when it's going to end. So we lost more guys on that single evolution. Why? 
Because instead of focusing on the single mile that they had to run in that moment, they were thinking about the potential of all the miles they might have to run. And across the board, that's the number one reason that people quit. That's what I found in my life. Awesome. So I have a question that many people have been dying to know. The beard. I mean, you kind of shared it hides your burnt collars from that, but like, how long did it take you to grow that beard? Uh, this jewel's about a year and a month old, brother. So, Beautiful. So, yeah. Well done. Dude, I get questions about the beard all the time, and you know, it's, it's something, look here, fellas, at G4, we'll talk about the difference between being a, sh a sheepdog and a wolf, okay? We'll talk about the difference at G4, but let me tell you right now. If you want to walk, if your mindset is you want to walk in a room being the toughest, hardest looking dude in the room, that's bad tactics. That's bad tactics. When I walk in a room, I want you guys to look at me and say, who is this goofball? <laughs> because I don't want to be a threat to anyone. You know, I know what I, I know what I have within me. But I don't want anyone else to know that. So the beard just throws people off. It's really a tactical thing, man, you know? But the thing is, I actually am threatened by you because of the beard. <laughs> so I'm not exactly sure if that makes sense. So uh, last night you shared about a specific training procedure called surf torture. And I was fascinated by it. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, totally. Hey, guys, so this dang water y'all got out here on the West Coast, it don't never get warm. What's <laughs> up? What is up with that? I mean, you guys talk about surfing and stuff. I'm like, there ain't no way I'm going out in that water. It never gets warm. So surf torture. You went water skiing with dead bodies. Yeah, but that was you. warm water. I, that was warm. I mean, I'll take cold water. <laughs> So, yeah, guys, what surf torture is, it's this evolution in buds, and it's probably the one, the, the single evolution that I hated the most. Um, and we lock arms, we walk out into the surf zone, and we lay down in the surf zone and allow the waves to wash over us. And the crazy thing is, is that they make us swallow a microchip. It looks like a pill, but it's a little microchip, and it sits in your gut. And you'll have an instructor come by with a scan gun, look like the lady in the grocery store has. And they're hitting you with that scan gun. And what they're doing is they're reading your core body temperature off of that microchip that's sitting in your gut. And they literally bring you down into the stages of hypothermia just right before it becomes detrimental, like brain damage starts happening. And um, another thing that happens in surf torture is, you know that fine sand that churns up right there in the surf zone? It literally fills every single crevice of your body. So you're just a walking ball of fine sand. And I still pull sand out of my ears. No kidding. And that's been 10, 11 years ago. So, um, yeah, surf torture, again, though, it's, uh, there's a whole lesson behind surf torture. And we'll talk about it at G4, how to deal with the cold. How to deal not only with the cold, but how to deal with other things in your life that you hate. See, I hate being cold. So th there's a way that I overcome that. There's a way to overcome the things that you hate. There's a way to make an impact 
on the things that you hate, but it might not be the way that you think it is. So I'll share that with you guys at G4. That's a whole other lesson, brother. There's a lot of guys that won't be at G4. Are you serious? I thought all these guys were coming out. I mean, that would be awesome. I mean, I can share it right now if you want. Share it. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is, this is easy, guys. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. Um, okay, guys. So the cold. I'm laying in the surf zone, dude. I'm freezing cold. And I have this realization that nothing's going to change. Like, I have this epiphany that in order to defeat this cold, I have to first accept the cold as part of my life, part of my reality in this moment. So I accept the fact that I'm cold and I stop fighting against it. I stop fighting against the cold. And when I do that, when I stop fighting against this thing that I hate, what it does is it frees up a well of energy within me. So all that energy that I was using to war against the cold, all of a sudden, all that energy is free. And it's, it, it's, it's available for use. So I accept the fact that I'm cold. And as soon as my situation changes, I use that free energy then to get warm. How do you get warm? You run. It takes energy to run. Well, if I'm too busy, when I come out of the surf zone complaining and worrying about being cold, and I'm using all my energy to clench my muscles down and shiver and shake and complain, I can't run. Your hip flexors lock up when you get hypothermia. These muscles right here in the front of your hips. You cannot run if you focus on that. So... The best way to make an impact on the things that you hate, on the things that you might not agree with, on the things that you might not think are true, the best way to make an impact on those things are to promote the things that you do love, the things that you have found true, the things that you do agree with. In turn, if you use your energy to promote those things instead of warring against the things like some of our politicians do. You see it all over the place. It's just warring against the things you don't agree with, and all they're doing is wasting their energy because you're not making any impact in that way. But if you can promote the things that you love, it will come full circle and make the biggest impact on the things that you hate. So that's an example from the natural that we can apply to our own lives. Love it. So... Would you share a time where you were maybe you were in training or in battle where you felt like the Holy Spirit just came over you and without the power of that spirit and Jesus that you would have, you know, failed or whatever? Yeah, brother. You know, the crazy thing is I get this question a lot. And people think SEAL training, people think combat. They think that those are the hardest things that you could ever experience in life. But guess what's harder than SEAL training? Guess what's harder than combat? Life itself. So the hardest thing, the hardest thing that I ever went through was when I came home and my wife was dying. And I got, I got to this point with my wife where there was nothing that I could say to make her want to get clean. And I got to this point where I was like, 
I don't want to do this anymore. My in-laws, my, my mother and father, everyone in my family were telling me, Chad, what are you doing, man? Like, get out of there. Live your life. So I got to a point where I was just beat down, brother. And I, I called my brother Blake back in Atlanta. This, you notice I call him my little brother Blake a lot? Yeah. So I call on Blake, and I say, man, I don't think I can do this anymore. And he said, you know what, Chad? You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. You know what he did in that moment? He, sp he spoke he spoke biblical truth into my life. And then I was filled then with the power of the Holy Spirit that, that comforted me, that gave me the strength to say, okay, you're right, God, this is your word. I don't have a choice. I'm taking quitting off the table. It's off the table. You know what happens when you take quitting off the table? It takes the power away from fear. It takes anxiety out of the equation. You know why? Because when you take quitting off the table, that means that you are going to push forward with your goal until something outside of your control stops you. So why do you have to be afraid about decisions that you're going to make? Why do you have to worry about all these different outcomes, potential outcomes? You don't have to worry about that anymore because you know that you're going to continue to push forward until something out of your control stops you or changes your direction. So I took quitting off the table, and I did that because of the Holy Spirit, because I'm nothing like we are all so powerful, but we are only powerful because of the one that lives within us. So. Love it. So, Chad, I thought it'd be cool for just have the audience be able to ask a few questions. So there's, there's, there's Dan Smith and Alan's going to be walking around. If you guys have a question or two, know that you may or may not get to ask your question, but we, we will get to do two or three questions. So. If anyone has a question for Chad, there we go, right? It should. My, uh, my, my cousin just graduated, Buds. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, and uh, is there any, I, I'm actually doing this video for him. Uh, is there any advice you should give, give him or anybody? Uh, well, not everybody, because there's only, there's only like, like you said, 12 people that graduated or something. For him moving forward. Um, yeah, yeah. So in, 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 you know, I know that might not be for everybody, but yeah, yeah, brother. No, I mean it. It, it is for everybody. I mean, really, the best advice that I can that I can give it ties off of what brother Nick said. It's humility, man. Like as soon as you experience some some success in society. I mean, what is success anyways? What is greatness? It's just these parameters that society has, has made for us. I mean, what is it really? Yeah, I'm a seal, but guess what? I'm the same as you, brother. We're all made of dirt, right? Dust to dust. There's nothing special about me, brother. All right? So humility is the main thing that's going to not only keep you alive in combat, but is going to actually increase your product, your, your productivity within your team man it's allowing you to listen it's allowing you to lead and be led it's so important in combat and it's so important in life 
I think he's got the mic right here, Tim. Okay, sweet. Go ahead, brother. So, so what advice, uh, in, I mean, that, that talk was, it resonated. It was very inspiring, especially for us, for me. Uh, what, what advice would you give men that want to improve and increase their mental toughness, right? So the, the SEAL training has developed a certain mental toughness that you have. What advice would you give for us men when we want to go and increase that mental toughness to be able to be strong during the tough times, the hard times? Roger that, man. Oh, that's a wonderful question. And um, when you say increase mental toughness, I'll flip that on you, brother, and I'll say, what can you do to counterpunch your mental weakness? So when, when, you've got, when you've got those thoughts that pop into your head, oh, man, this is a whole nother talk, brother. This is a whole nother talk, but I'm just going to hit on it real quick. When you've got those thoughts in your head, let me tell you right now, brother, that mental weakness, as long as it stays in between your two ears, it's not real. It's not part of this reality. It has no power over you or anybody else around you. And let me tell you what you do with those negative thoughts. Let me tell you what you do with those with that mental weakness, you counterpunch it with something that is more powerful than the thought, and that's the positive spoken word. Okay, it takes courage when you're having a, a, a negative thought, when you're having a moment of weakness, to stand up and put the right words behind those words, I am. But that's what you're doing. You're counterpunching that weakness. You're counterpunching that negativity with a positive affirmation, with something that's more powerful. Do you understand that, that when God, God spoke all of this into existence... God didn't think all of this into existence. He spoke it into existence. I want you to understand right now how powerful the words that come out of your mouth are. It will literally steer the direction of your entire life. A single statement can change the outcome of your entire life. And I have so many stories where that stands true. So if you want to increase or counterpunch that mental weakness and you want to increase your level of productivity and strength, utilize the power of the spoken word. And it takes courage, guys, but utilize it. And I promise you, it's going to change the outcome of everything. Yes, sir. Uh, Nick mentioned uh, the, the, the guys in his locker room who also named Christ. And you, in a room of four, there was one. What's your experience with the seal, SEALs uh, about support or um, uh, harassment for your faith? You know, to be honest with you, brother, so um, the, the harvest is ripe in the SEAL teams, brother. There's not a lot, there's not a lot of Bible-based, like, Christians in the SEAL teams. Not a hit on them. Not a hit on them at all. Let me tell you right now, I got to go to work with heroes. Heroes! Every day for 12 years of my life. They might not have been Christians, but I'm going to tell you right now, they were heroes. Okay? Um, thank you, fellas. <clears throat> 
But the beautiful thing about the SEAL teams is, is although we don't, we don't believe necessarily the same way, we never put one another down because of the way that we do believe. Um, I think a big reason for that is because the things that we do are equalizers. Combat is an equalizer. That cold water is an equalizer. All those things, I don't care how tough you are. I don't care how tough you think you are. I don't care what you believe or what you don't believe. When you're laying in that freezing cold water and you look over at your buddy, it don't matter what he believes and he knows it doesn't matter what you believe. Well, you're, you both feel the same thing. We both feel the same pain. We both travel through that furnace of adversity together. And we never put each other down for what we believe or what we don't believe. So there's not a lot of persecution within the SEAL teams when it comes to Christians. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it takes me about six to seven hours to drive a hundred miles. But uh, I, I am a Patriots fan, so I don't do everything correctly. So, <laughs> How long does it take you to run a hundred miles? That's impressive. I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, so it de really depends on the course. So what I didn't tell you about running is um, I never run on the road. I run in the mountains. So um, I've got a 106-mile race coming up in about two months, and that race has 66,000 feet of vertical change over the course of 106 miles. So it's basically double Everest. Um, I did that race two years ago, and it took me 31 hours to complete that race. Um, I plan to go back this year a little stronger with a little more knowledge and a, and, a, and a good healthy body. And I'm looking at probably 24 hours. I'm hoping I can knock it out in. So, yeah, anywhere, depending on the course, anywhere from 17 to, I would say, 32 hours. <laughs> I lost count, brother. I lost count. I mean, I bet you get about 500 miles out of a pair of shoes in general. I, my training load is usually somewhere between 80 and 120 miles per week. First of all, thank you for being here. I actually have two questions instead of one. Is that going to be okay? Sure. I mean, I'm going to ask it anyway. So outside of your, what's up, man? Outside of your faith, what do you feel in your own life is the most important thing that you learned and why? So outside of my faith, um, just, I mean, just to be honest with you, brother, the most, so the most important tool that, that I've learned, the most important tool that I utilize in day-to-day -day life and in challenges is 100% the spoken word. 100% it's the power of the spoken word. It's maintaining control of my rudder and steering. It's what steers my ship in the direction that I need to go. So that is 100% the most powerful tool that I have learned. And it actually ties into my faith. Because you know what's crazy, man? All these lessons I learned as a SEAL, all these things that, were, that are true, they're all in the Bible. I didn't know that. 
They're all Bible-based principles. You know what's hilarious? I don't want to say hilarious, but corporate America pays me $10,000 to come and teach Bible-based principles. And the whole time I'm up there teaching, I say, if you guys would let go of your pride and you could pick up a book, you could read these things for yourself. It's the power of the spoken word, man. Simplify, brother. Simplify. Here you go. Behold. Hey, I got saved in the Marines, so praise God. Any other praise veterans? God, brother. Any other veterans here? Yeah. Woo! All right. Love it, fellas. I have a two-part question for you. Question. Obviously, you don't need to throw Super Bowl touchdowns to be a Christian or to be an ambassador for Jesus or a Navy SEAL. You're an ambassador for Jesus. You didn't go to Bible college seminary, but the Holy Spirit uses you. Explain how that happens, and explain, please, maybe people are on the fence right now. Maybe they got invited today. Share the gospel. Lead them to Jesus, brother. <laughs> I'll explain to you how I got on the path that I'm on now. And, Tim, you shut us down if we're out of time, man. All right, I'll explain to you how I, how I got to where I am now, to where the Holy Ghost is using me. So I told you I got medically retired from the SEAL teams a year and a month ago. I'm actually 100% disabled. 90% of my injuries are combat-related. Um, and, and I got out of the Navy got out of the SEAL teams, a lot like Nick's brothers probably get out of the NFL, and I realized I was performing on this high, high level, but I realized there's not much about being a Navy SEAL that translates to, like, an office job. Like, so, so like, I'm, 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 I'm like, I'm so confused, and, and I'm, I'm in a place that I'm relying upon myself and I and I was relying upon the things that I had done as a seal to propel me forward into my what my next mission or or the, the my future and I was lost man and and I'm laying, and I'm struggling and I'm thinking what what but 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 I was depending upon myself right the things that I had done the missions I had been on I've rubbed shoulders with some of the most powerful men on earth I was depending upon all that. And I was laying in bed one night. I wasn't getting anywhere. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gives me a vision. And I'm wide awake. And in my mind's eye, in the top left corner of this vision, is everything that I own. All my material possessions. And the Holy Ghost says, give it to me. Guess what I did? I argued with him. I said, Holy Ghost, I work for all this stuff. You really want me to give all this to you? I know that you, you, you might want to take it away, and you might want to send me on some crazy speaking tour around the country, and, and I'll never get to be home. And, you know, and, and so I argued and argued with him, but he, he never argued back. All he did was kept saying, give it to me. And finally I, finally I submitted, and I said, Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ, it was yours in the first place. So you can have it. And when I did that, it, 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 it took a load off of me. I, I felt this new sense of freedom. And then all of a sudden, my vision came to center. And in the center was a scroll, an old parchment. And on this scroll was written everything that I had ever done as a seal, as a man, as an ultra runner. All those things that I told you that I was depending upon, 
to propel me forward into my future. All that was written. It was like a resume. When I'm reading this resume, I'm like, okay, yeah, I remember that, that, that. Well, all of a sudden around this scroll, these clouds start to build. And as these clouds build, the scroll starts to shrink. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost revealed to me that those clouds were representative of God the Father. And, and, and as the presence of God the Father built around this scroll, this scroll began to shrink until it got to the point that I could no longer read what was written on that scroll. I could no longer read any of those things that I had done. And you know what, what that was? It was the Holy Ghost telling me, that what I can do is so much more powerful than what you have done. So guess what I did in that moment? I let go and I let God. I let go and I let God. And when I did that and I quit depending on all that carnal stuff, all that societal stuff, all those accomplishments, as you would say, God has taken me and put me on a path and used this unworthy vessel this unworthy vessel, he's used me to share his word. And I'm so thankful for that. But, it, but it, it started with submission. And it came through that vision. Man, this story keeps going, but I know I need to shut up, man. <laughs> so I move forward. I move forward. I, I submit to God. He puts me on this path, and I begin to get a little overwhelmed because this is a new world for me. I get a little overwhelmed as, I, as I'm going and doing these things. If you would have asked me to give a speech six months ago, I would have looked at you like you were crazy. So I get a little overwhelmed, and I'm out cutting grass one day. Out cutting grass. I'm actually cutting grass at a funeral home. I love to cut grass, guys. I used to volunteer to cut people's grass. I just love doing it. <laughs> I'm cutting grass, and this, and this red-tailed hawk, we got these things on the East Coast called red-tailed hawks. It's a bird of prey. He flies down and lands smack in front of my lawnmower, and I'm on a big zero turn. This joker's loud. I mean, it's like a tank, you know? And I pull up, stop. I'm like, holy smokes. This hawk lands right here in front of my lawnmower. And the hawk kills and eats a snake. On the ground, see, a, a bird of prey doesn't feed on the ground because they're vulnerable. A bird of prey will kill its prey and then fly up into a tree. So I watched this hawk right in front of me kill this snake and consume this, this snake whole. He eats it whole. Hawk can't chew, right? He eats it whole. And then he takes off in flight and he flies about 300 yards away into a, the edge of some, some dense woods, there were 10,000 limbs that he could have landed on, but there was also an old rugged cross over there. And that hawk landed on that cross, and he looked back at me. And I was in this place where I was feeling, I was on my path, but I was feeling overwhelmed. And see, God will speak to us a lot of times through the natural because we're part of this nature. He created all of this. We're part of it. And you know what God was telling me right then? You know what he was speaking to me through that hawk and through, through, that, through that circumstance? He said every devil and every demon that is in your path has been slain and has been consumed by Jesus Christ on the cross. 
So let me tell you right now, as I move forward with my mission, I don't have any fear because every devil and every demon that has been placed before me by the enemy has been slain on the cross. So I push forward with a pure heart, with pure intentions, and with courage in all that I do, but it's all came from him. I can promise you that. I'm weak and fallible. I'm an unworthy vessel. It all comes from him. So that's why I am where I am right here today. Amen. So here's what I want to do, because there's a lot of men in this room, and you've been hearing some stories of transformation, transformation that only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. And so there might be men in this room that are not yet a Christian. And so I think it'd be amiss if we didn't give everyone the opportunity that might not know Jesus and so we've heard some stories that God's got a hold of these men's life. And we, we want to give you the opportunity to be transformed. And so we believe that we're all broken men, that we're sinners. And if we confess that we are sinners, that we need Jesus because of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we've been made new. We've been born again. We become free men. And we get to live out that freedom. We get to experience our identity in Jesus Christ. And that's who we are. We're men that were created in his image, which means we are all image bearers of Jesus Christ. And so I want to give anyone in this room that has yet, not yet admitted that they are broken, that they are sinners, and that they need Jesus to experience what Nick shared, what I've shared, what Chad shared. With many of these men, life has been radically changed because of the hope that is Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray this, and I'm just going to give you the opportunity to stay, stand up and say, I believe. So we're going to pray. God, we need you. Every one of us needs you in this room. We're all broken. We're all sinners, God, and we, we say that we are. But because of the cross, our sins are forgiven. We've been made new because of the death of the cross. But you defeated death, Jesus. And you rose again on that third day. And we're looking towards Easter to celebrate that, Jesus. The hope that you have given us an opportunity to become free men. We are no longer held captive by our sins. We have been made new by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so if any man in this room needs that, that hope, to be saved because of you, Jesus, I pray that you'd put it on their hearts now. Give them the courage, some of the courage that, that Chad just shared in his story to stand before anything that may be hindering us and to stand and say, I believe, and give them new hope, new life, make them new. So I want to give you the opportunity now to stand and say, I believe. Amen. 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 Praise God. others. Amen.
Thank you, Jesus. Any other men? You got invited here. You didn't know what you were in for, but oh my goodness. Any others? Well, let's give a round of applause for the four men. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Let's put it up for this, this hero right here. Hold on. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Let's do this. Would you extend a hand and let's pray over Chad? Jesus, what a gift. There are so many places that we could have been this Saturday morning. But you brought hundreds of men to experience the hope that you've given us. God, would we be inspired to follow you, Jesus? Help us to be reminded that there's nothing else this world that could fulfill us the way that you fill us up, Jesus. Thank you for this man, Chad. Thank you, the hero that he is to our country, all that he's endured because his love for you, but his love for his country and his fellow brothers and sisters. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his marriage. We thank you for for Brooke and how you healed her, Jesus. Thank you for his words this morning. God, bless his ministry. Bless his life and all that you're going to do in and through him and help him to keep running after you, Jesus. We pray this by the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Really quick, um, a couple, couple things. Guys, you can have a seat really quick. Can you tell them really quick about what it is you're doing, uh, the 3 of 7 project? For the opportunity yeah. yeah guys so if you if you like a little bit about what you heard me talk about today um we have I, my company is called three of seven project the three is representative of the body soul and spirit so we are a triune being created in the likeness and image of god our father um, the number seven is the biblical number for completion so everything that we do within three of seven project is in order to master, nourish, and maintain our body, soul, and spirit in order to live a complete and wholesome lifestyle. Um, So we have a podcast. That's a free resource. Um, It's just called 3 of 7 Podcast. You guys can check that out. Um, we have some hats and T-shirts that have mantras that, are, that have helped me get through hard times. Um, and then uh, we've got some other new products, more intimate type stuff coming down the pipe. So, yeah, thank you guys. Thanks for allowing me to uh, share that, Tim. Awesome. Yep. Thanks again, Chad.